So she carried a lot of shame and fear because she never wanted anyone to know that she couldn't read and write very well. And just before my mother passed, my mother passed uh, about six years ago, we were having a conversation, maybe two or three weeks before her passing. And she said to me, I wish that I hadn't allowed what I thought other people would think of me as an adult going back to school and learning to read. I wish I would have just gone back and learned to read and write as an adult. And that just, that just hit me. And at that point I was writing Grace's book and I thought, I am going to get this book out to the world for my mother because she made sure I went to school and all my siblings. Um, And so that really pushed me, I think in the end, that was like that, she showed up for me and pushed me so that I kept going and I got this book out into the world. It's me, Joanna. Welcome to JCB Art Studio. I am the author of two thriller novels, Dealer's Child, actually, which is the second. I kind of have it out of order here. The Unraveling, which I actually wrote 20 years ago, then set it aside and stopped writing for about 20 years. And then I got back to it in 2019 and uh, just came out this year, Dealer's Child. And this is my podcast where I get to interview authors and artists and creatives. So today, I have children's author Michelle Fizzard with me. For all the cat lovers out there, you are especially going to want to tune into this podcast because today, Michelle and I are going to talk about her children's book, Amazing Grace, A True Story of a Classroom Cat. Michelle grew up in Newfoundland, and she was out on, I like to say, my coast for a little bit, (laughs) and then now she's back in Ottawa. Also, in this podcast, we're going to talk about Michelle's writing journey, the fears and the successes, and what is success. Michelle, welcome. We finally made this happen. Yes, I'm so happy to be here. I've been listening to your podcast uh, as I'm driving to work, so I'm very excited. You have had some really amazing guests, even a fellow Newfoundlander, so I'm very honored. <laughs> good, good. It, well, it's neat to find out. Um, I know when I listen to my podcast, it's usually when I'm creating art, and uh, I found out I'm a friend's Saturday Night Entertainment, and... Okay. Um, 
Linda of Lanyosh Handmade. She listens to me while she's creating her different bags. So yeah, it, it's been oh, kind of cool to, cool yeah. to find out. Yeah, I that's my, when I go to work, I listen to podcasts on the way there. So yeah, sort of my time. Yeah. So I've been enjoying it. Thank you. Oh, good. good. <laughs> so first, let's talk about grace. And <laughs> I warn you, I do have some allergies at the moment. I have a tissue because I have a funny feeling you may have me crying at some point during this podcast. I was choking up doing the research. So talk to me about this little kitty, Grace. Little kitty, Grace. Well, Grace um, came into our lives through actually a, a cat shelter where my best friend and I were volunteering. So we would go. Well, she actually went there. The first time without me and this mom had arrived and she had like I think it was four kittens and they were extremely extremely feral and my friend loves cats as much as I do <laughs> so, um, so she stood with her hand outstretched trying to like hold just the kitten just for a couple of minutes and they were very tiny but extremely feral so she finally was able to uh, hold one and it happened just happened to be grace and grace had a little black dot on her nose so we always knew grace in her uh, in her little pack and then uh then my family and i so i have two daughters so the three of us um and my best friend would go back to the shelter every week so it was in the summer so we'd go every week and we would hold these little kitties and the other ones that would show up at the shelter and they eventually started to become less feral they were quite tiny yeah so that was very uh, special to watch and uh, grace was still probably the most feral of them all and eventually like all the brothers and sisters got adopted and Grace was left. Um, so we were sitting, and I remember sitting in this room. I had kitty litter all over us. The cats were crawling all over us. <laughs> and I said to my friend, I think you should take Grace. Yeah. And she already had two cats. And she's like, well, I don't know if I really should have another cat. But she had wanted to bring a cat into her classroom. Because prior to that, when we lived in Vancouver, in Abbotsford, actually, we were at Terry Fox Elementary teaching together. She had a cat named Cuddles that lived in her classroom. Yeah. And Cuddles lived, uh, stayed in her classroom for 12 years. Oh, wow. And yeah, so she went every day. And eventually, they had a retirement party. Principals oh. came back. It was very sweet. I think I'm going to write that story one day, too. Yeah. So she is now in Ontario and is thinking, I'd like to have a cat in my classroom, in her classroom. So she asked her principal and the principal was, um, he agreed. So she thought, well, I'm going to get this cat before he changes his mind. Yeah. So the cat went to school with Jackie two days a week and it was a grade two classroom. So it was very, uh, very good for the kids on many levels. I think on their soul level, like a lot of them didn't have pets of their own. So to have a cat in their classroom was very special. Um, there, you know, there's a deep connection with animals, because <laughs> you know, you have a dog, right? Yeah. yeah. So there's this deep connection. And then um, also, like, it really helped with their learning. So children who really hesitated to read to like another adult or to it within a class had no problem sidling up by grace and reading the book. Yeah. And they wrote stories about her and they had a newspaper and they'd always write like little articles about her in their newspaper. So it was, it was very good for everybody. But as you know, um, when Grace was just over a year old and it was actually Thanksgiving Monday, 
Yeah. It was a beautiful sunny day and Grace curled up in a chair in her home and she just quietly passed away. So, so that's uh, like, that was very hard. And then my best friend had to go into her classroom and share this really horrible news with her class. And they had decided her and the principal that they wouldn't tell them in the morning because it would stretch throughout the day. They had prepared a letter that would go home with the kids at the end of the day to help explain what had happened. So they had, I think it was the last hour or two hours of the day, she gathered them all on the carpet and shared this terrible news that Grace had passed away. Yeah. And there were many, like it was kind of unusual because some children immediately burst into tears and other children actually laughed. They didn't know how to how to hold process that. that yeah process that yeah and um so it was very very difficult yeah so one of the things Jackie decided to do Jackie's my best friend um was to take a big pink piece of bristle board yeah and she posted it on the wall and she also provided them with paper and she told them that they could write notes to Grace yeah to say goodbye or to say whatever they were feeling so that's how they ended that day. Like the kids were writing. Some of them didn't choose to write. Some of them wrote on a card, but many of them went to the bristle board and wrote notes. And over the span of a couple of weeks, kids from all over the school came and wrote notes. Like they ended up adding, I think it's six bristle boards to the wall with these yeah. little notes. And they had a beautiful picture of Grace in the middle. And that sort of started the healing process. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I was actually in there photographing Grace and Grace actually came to my home a lot. So I had a very deep connection with her as well. So we had this, you know, this cat that was, we were all very connected to. Yeah. That's sort of how Grace's story unfolded. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I made it through that. (laughs) I could could feel myself tearing up here. Okay. I made it through. (laughs) It's tough and it was very tough for kids. But what I'm discovering is that children are very, they're more open to grief, I think, than adults are. Like they, they sort of walk through it in a way that we tend to, you know, freeze up. So I learned that from them is that, you know, how there is, there's love and beauty that surrounds grief if we allow it to come in. Okay. <laughs> so, so, Amazing Grace, I noticed on the cover that Charlotte Fizzard is also did the illustrations. And I, I was wondering what if there is any connection. Can you explain <laughs> that work relationship? And, and how did the illustrations come together? I can certainly share that with you. So Charlotte Fizzer is actually my daughter and she attends um, Canterbury High School here in Ottawa. And and, and I'll tell you a little story about Charlotte. So Charlotte is adopted. Both my children are adopted from China. So uh, we brought her home in December. And then the following October, I took Charlotte. So she was about 18 months old, took the two of them to the pumpkin patch. And so we come back home and often as we did, I took up the art supplies and I put her in her high chair and we were, you know, we have music and doing whatever. And, but at the end, Charlotte had painted a pumpkin, 18 months old with a stem and these leaves like trailing off. And I remember looking at it going either this child has some talent that's going to, you know, erupt in her life, or this is a fluke. And I mean, she went back to just baby 
painting after that, but it was like, it was like that little clue. Yeah. And throughout her life, like every now and then she would show up with these pieces of artwork and I'd be like, okay, did you actually draw that? Yeah. <laughs> and one day she said, well, mommy, I copied it. And I said, what do you mean by copy? She said, well, I, I, I looked at the picture and then I drew it. And I thought, well, that's not really copy. So when she went to school, she was eight years old. I, I remember going up, like it was a tiger. And I went up to the National Geographic and I'm laying it over seeing like, did she just trace it? But the, the picture was actually slightly smaller than the picture on National Geographic. So I knew she had actually drawn. So this child has a gift that came with her in life. (laughs) And so when we, when I was, well, I had written the book, took me a long time to get this book put together. (laughs) And uh, by that time, Charlotte was in, she was 16. So I said to her, do you think you would like to illustrate the book? And she was like, yeah, okay, I'll do that for you, mom. But but I don't think either one of us really realized how much work this was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of work. And she's in high school, so she's doing math and science and doing all these things. So it was kind of, a, it was difficult at times because I would want her to kind of hurry up. And she was kind of, you know, I think when you're an artist, it's a bit of a process. Yeah, no yeah it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn to be patient. Yeah. And it probably took us about a year, I guess, for her from start to finish to actually get all the the uh, illustrations yeah. put together. So cool, cool. It's very fun. It's been, and I'm so grateful that we have this book that we uh, put together. Together. <laughs> well, you also have, um, like you said, you have this book that forever is going to reflect a period of time. Right. Yeah. Like your relationship and, and that time, that's the, like I find even with um, novels, like the, the, the books I'm working on now, I can read a book and I can, I know what, let's say of my personal life, I have woven into a character's story, you know? So they're, they're almost like a, um, a stamp on the yeah. author's time so I'm just thinking about you and her and that book is such a visual of your time it it's it's been all I can say it feels like such a gift because my writing process it's taken me so long to get to this moment um and it was like divine timing that when I was finally ready she was ready to illustrate it yeah and that that to me was like so beautiful sweet sweet (laughs) so on your website, and we'll get all your socials and website information at the end. You have a blog, and you know you talk about the message of overcoming fears, kicking self doubt out the door, having faith in yourself, and I want to talk about that. Okay, so first, let's start with the f- five writing fears can you tell us what they are yes well I can tell you what they are for me for sure and I had many fears but my number one fear was that I feared I lacked the talent to write a book to write in general Um, yet somewhere in my heart and in my soul I had this curiosity about writing for some reason I think I was born a child who was very creative and I knew that when I was little I, I, everything I did, I had this huge imagination. Yeah. Um, like my dad uh, would pile up wood that we had a wood stove and it was on our meadow. And I would go into this little 
wood and this would be like a kitchen like I could just envision it and like I had my dolls like they were really part of who I was like that, that was I was just a vivid vivid imagination I'm the youngest of six okay. and my sister next to me she's uh, five and a half years older than me so I had a lot of time to myself yeah. and I think by the time mom had her sixth child she was okay with me going off to do whatever I needed to do yeah. <laughs> so I spent a lot of time alone yeah. so then as I got older, I lost, I think I lost touch with that creative side of me. God, bells are ringing. Go on. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Big time, right? Like I completely lost who I was. And, um, and then, you know, you go to school and you write something and the teacher writes all over it with red pen. So I started to take all that in thinking, well, I don't have the talent yeah. to write. I really don't. Um, but, you know, life steps in and, yeah. and, and I had people and things happened to me that, that taught me otherwise. So my first one was lack of talent. The second one was like, well, I don't have enough time, especially as I became a young mother. I'm like, oh, I don't really have time to write. Um, so I really believe that for a long time as well. Where am I going to fit that into my day? Yeah. And I had to, you know, come to terms with that later on as well. And for me, grammar was another big fear I had like I would write these stories and I was creative but I always I didn't have the strongest grasp on grammar (laughs) I've gotten better but I think I didn't and I let that hold me back yeah and I know when like I'm a teacher as well I teach um right now I'm teaching ESL which is English to second language children. And one of the things I tell them is don't worry about the grammar right now. Let's just get that thoughts down. We can deal with the grammar later. And that's what I had to tell myself, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then another big thing that held me back was I was afraid that other people would criticize what I had written and like I would be found out that really, even though I wanted secretly to write, that someone was going to find out, okay, the truth is she can't write. It's <laughs> a huge one. Huge. It was huge for me. Like, okay, like if I do it, then everybody's going to know what I secretly feel is that mm, I, I, I'm not good enough for this. Yeah. The, oh, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Those are all I, I myself and... I know a couple of other authors who it's crazy because I see the talent in them and, yeah. you know, and they'll point out talent in me yeah. and it's just, we got to see it in ourselves, you know, cause mm-hmm. I'll, I'll admit, you know, there have been days where I'll be, yep, I'm an author. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it's not like I'm parading down the street holding a sign, no. but I identify as that. Yes. Okay. And then there's other days where, I don't know, I'll see something like, um, I'll be totally honest, uh, let's say an author who's been traditionally published and winning awards. And I'm like, oh, you know, and all of a sudden this, this total self-doubt just sits right in. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and then part of me is thinking, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Right. You know, like, yeah, don't, don't, don't compare yourself to others right yeah Yeah. comparison definitely robs us of our life and our joy and I've learned what I've come to accept is that I've written a book and I love the book and I'm okay 
other people don't. And I'm very grateful when people do love it as well. <laughs> like, you know, there's that. But I can't take that on. Like, that's if somebody doesn't like what I've written or they don't relate to it, then there's lots of other books that they can go and read. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's so lovely. I also saw on your website this incredible, incredible quote. And I, I've got to share it now. Um, do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? What, what, what do you feel most comfortable? I'll let you read it. Okay. Are okay. you okay with that? Yeah, I'll let you yeah. read it. I think you'll like yeah. Now, the, the quote is from, is it Brené Brown? Brené Brown, yes. Brené Brown. This I am going to frame and keep <laughs> on my desk. Okay. And this is all with respect. Like it's with, well, you could actually use it. I use it in terms of writing. I think you could use it with whatever creativity or any avenue in life, really. I agree. I'm, yeah, I'm just, so I'm just going to read it here. If you are not in the arena getting your ass kicked on occasion, I am not interested. Not in. I am not interested in or open to your feedback. There are a million cheap seats in the world today filled with people who will never be brave with their own lives, but will spend every ounce of energy they have hurling advice and judgment at those of us trying to dare greatly. Their only contributions are criticism, cynicism, and fear-mongering. If you're criticizing from a place where you're not also putting yourself on the line, I'm not interested in your feedback. I know. Bam. Bam. I, know. I love that so much. God, that's good. That, but it's things like that that came into my life and I thought, that's what I need. That's yeah. what that's what's gonna move me forward. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God, I like that. That I'm going. I'm going to print that and frame it somewhere, or, or do something with it because that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Okay. <laughs> so we talked about fear. Now let's talk about success. Um, and you have valid points about what success is, and I like how you you redefine the meaning of success. Well, I think I had to redefine the meaning of success yeah. in order for me to show up every day and write and put my work out into the world. Because until I did that, it, it wasn't possible. So the number one thing for me yeah. is just having the courage to show up, to get up in the morning, to make that cup of tea, feed the animals and sit down and write for an hour. And if I did that, that was success for me. Because that was moving me forward. Um, I also had to let go of writing and being perfect like that perfectionism in me like it has to be perfect I don't care like right now I just started my second book yeah. and I just write and I mean it will I, I wrote it somewhere today that I write and I let it be messy because from the mess from the rubble something good will rise up and that's what I wake up every morning looking for is that little bit of mess that I find in the rubble inside my brain and that will make a better a good story that's excellent so that, <laughs> and then I had to say to myself, I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be afraid. Fear's not going to leave me. I think it's a Liz, Elizabeth Gilbert says, fear, you got to get in the back seat. Um, and I would have to say that you get in the back seat because I'm showing up to write 
and I'm going to do it. So that was really important to me, not to let perfection and fear take hold. And then another really important thing I had to do was I had to schedule that time to write. Like I couldn't just say, well, I'm going to write. Like I write at 5 a.m. I get up at 5 a.m. And I've done that. I did that when my kids were little. That's how I got through the first book is the rising at 5 a.m. And I have this little ritual that I go through. I I feed, I have two cats. So I feed them and my dog, Harry, I feed him. And then I make myself a cup of tea and I have a candle that I light. And that's the indication. Okay, now it's, this is your time and you're going to sit down and you're going to do it. And that's how I redefine success for myself. Sorry, and I don't mean to interrupt, but that is a beautiful ritual. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. It has really worked for me. It is like, okay. And the final thing is that I believe the right people will show up, whether it's a quote, uh, whether it's a book that I find or something somebody says, like uh, the right people are showing up in my life yeah. and helping me move forward. As I'm marketing this book, like you have shown up in my life. So I'm able to talk about grace. Um, I've had people, I don't know if you know Wayne Dyer. He was a spiritual teacher. And I mean, he talked about the power of just writing. And he showed up in my life very early on when I was writing. And it gave me that permission to write. So that is um, my path, I guess, is that trust and, and belief that I can do this. God, that's good. God, that's good. Okay. Yeah. You know, because the other thing, like I said, like you mentioned on your blog blog post, like I said, I, I've got the two novels. They were shortlisted for the Canadian Book Club Awards. And like, and but still, there are days when, um, like I had one person say to me, when it, I remember one day when I was still working, someone said to me, oh, God, I'm bearing my soul to you. You are so easy to talk to. Okay. <laughs> I had one person say to me, they go, Joanna, you come across as being so confident. And I'm like, not all the time. No. I said, I have self-doubt. You know, I am, I am actually probably my worst critic, right? Like yeah. there's nothing out there someone could say about my writing that I haven't gone one yeah. step further right probably worse right like yeah. how, I think I'd say worse things to myself than anyone would ever say to me yeah so then that makes me you know it's that feeling of I'm not good enough which makes me think about you know like we said you that comparison is you know no 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 don't even go there right no. you know and it's I loved how you redefined success you know mm-hmm. and and I think sometimes um, people associate in, you know, I'm not even going to say it, my loved one, um, you know, like success and the mon- money that it brings in. Like, you know, like he's my biggest supporter, but that's, right. I'm going to say he's a guy. Right? Product time put in you know, what are you getting, you know, what, exactly. what, what's, what are the returns? Right. Yeah. So, um, I think like, I like how you redefined success. Yeah. I've showed up, I'm doing my writing out of this mess. I am putting like words together and this story has, like, I love that has come out of the mess. Right. And it does. Right. I mean, as a writer, you know, you write, you write, and there's all this mess. And then all of a sudden comes dancing out the sentence. You go, that's the one I'm looking for. 
I've been here for an hour and that's the sentence. And from that, then you can write some more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Excellent. So Michelle, what kept you going? Um, I know with myself, I'm going to say maybe it's a little Hungarian stubbornness. Um, (laughs) We can be pretty stubborn. Um, (laughs) Leaving in, it's weird because at times when I have self-doubt, I also believe in myself. It's, it's weird. Okay. And you know, there's times when I'll be like, I believe even if this book is not successful in someone else's eyes, I believe I wrote a damn good story, you know, and I know it may not appeal to all readers, but it appeals to me. And like, I I think we'd mentioned earlier, we're each our own hardest critic right Mm -hmm. so I'm going to start writing a fantasy novel because I have been reading and looking and you know I I want a fantasy novel that'll grab me you know and just Mm. take me just take me somewhere right (laughs) so it's like okay then you write it right so this is right so what kept you going well I, there were a few things. I think first, I did love writing. And the more I wrote, the more that I got pulled into it. Um, I feel like I was put on this earth to, to write, even though I sort of lost touch with that for a while in my life. I, as you know, So that has pulled me in. And I've decided that I'm going to write until I draw my last breath. Like that is my, that's my goal to myself. I'm going to write children's books for now. And maybe sometime I'll try something even a little more in depth. Um, The other thing, there's a couple things uh, besides that, that really kept me going. And number one, I think was my children. I felt that if I could face the fears in my own life, fears around writing and put myself out into the world, that that would give them permission to face whatever they fear as they're going through their lives. They'll be able to look and go, that's what my mom did. She was able, she was afraid, but she kept going. And on top of that, my mom, I, I don't know if you found this in your uh, research at all, but my mom um, only had grade one education. Okay. So she and my dad had grade seven. So I'm not from I'm a, you know, a studious background. Yeah. My mom got up one morning when she was six years old and she made bread. Yeah. So she got, she made all the dough and got it all ready. That's and so then she, at six, six, seven, I'm, I'm not quite sure. She was a grade one-ish that age. And then she washed a load of clothes and went out and hung it all out to dry. She told me this story so many times. And she did this because she desperately wanted to go to school. That was what she, she, she saw her friends going to school and she wanted to go. So she thought, well, if I get everything done, then you know her mother would let her go to school. So after doing all that at six or seven years old, my grandmother comes downstairs or, um, and my mom says, well, I've done this and this. Can I go to school? And my grandmother told her, no, she wasn't allowed to go to school. And my mother never went to school after that. So she carried a lot of shame and fear because she didn't ever wanted anyone to know that she couldn't read and write very well. And just before my mother passed, my mother passed um, about six years ago. We were having a conversation maybe two or three weeks before her passing. And she said to me, I wish that I hadn't allowed 
what I thought other people would think of me as an adult going back to school and learning to read. I wish I would have just gone back and learned to read and write as an adult. And that just, that just hit me. And at that point I was writing Grace's book and I thought, I am going to get this book out to the world yeah. for my mother because she made sure I went to school and all my siblings. Um, and so that really pushed me, I think, in the end. That was like that, you know, she showed up for me and pushed me so that I kept going and I got this book out into the world. So for her, a person who wasn't able to go to school and desperately wanted to, was very intelligent, very creative, but just wasn't well-educated. Um, I knew I had to do this for, so I guess the past, the present, and not me. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful story. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> my, uh, yeah, it was, it was about six months after my mom passed that I started writing again. Okay. So this is after a 20, about a 20 year, like you said, life got in the way. Life, life happened, right? I won't say got in the way, life happened and I stopped. And uh, greatest, she was my greatest supporter, you know? Um, in one of the early, early podcasts, I mentioned how I was about 28 when I told her that I wanted to write a novel, right? I was going to write, because she knew I wrote stories as a kid. Right. And uh, to this day, I'll never forget when she walked into my house with a plastic bag full of Harlequin romances and said to me, here, read these. Maybe they'll help you, help Aww. you when you write, you know? And I just, I just love that. it just, that, I'll never forget that. So yeah, lots, lots of, lots of tender moments you hit there with your story. <laughs> it has pushed me yeah. um pulled me towards what i want yeah. and 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 i knew she like she wasn't allowed she shouldn't have felt shame no. but she did her whole life yeah. and like she was big into going to church yeah. and she was afraid that someone was going to ask her to read scripture or something and she wasn't able to read so there was that fear she'd go to bible study and i think maybe the minister knew so he never called on her yeah. but a lot of people didn't know i don't think how shame how much shame she felt around her. and it wasn't her shame to bear it, yeah. you know yeah that's, that's why I write. beautiful it's a beautiful story and how in the sense, I think of how you're honoring your mom too, mm -hmm. with your writing. It's very important to me. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. So you also mentioned about storytelling, <sighs> and I totally agree with this. I think storytelling is important, and uh, you know, I've I've said to my spouse, I go, it doesn't matter what video game i'm dating myself here okay video game you know what i mean right it doesn't matter what game is created or what device is created to make this amazing game nothing will ever match the human imagination nothing can no. touch that right so um tell me about storytelling why do you why do you feel it's important well i i believe i came to this planet as a storyteller. I was born into a family of storytellers. Well, they didn't write anything down. Like New I don't know if you've been to Newfoundland, but Newfoundland has, like, especially the 
like my father's age, my mother's age, they were, they told stories. Like that's what you did. You sit around the kitchen table and your father, you know, they tell you stories of the past. You know, my dad had the story where he was trying to wire the house. Remember this story growing up and he couldn't figure out how to get the wire through the house. So he tied the wire onto the cat's tail and then he went around and he put a little bit of food on the other side and the cat brought it around. Like those are the things. So that was my dad, right? There was so many, like, and so this is, I grew up and I go to my uncles and he, t- and they were funny. Like they were funny people. <laughs> so I grew up with that. It, I was, it was rich in my life. My grandmother, the one who didn't let my mother go to school, she was a great storyteller. I would go over there and I remember like, I didn't want to watch TV. I just wanted to listen to what her stories. And so I grew up with that. And I think with stories, it connects us to, the people who came before us. It connects us to the people who are here now and it will connect us to the people of the future. And and in storytelling, I think for me, it's about writing, but I also tell stories through photography. That's a very important part. And that's where that started to erupt my storyteller when my children came into my life. I wasn't writing much then, but I would start, I I wasn't a photographer until then. And then when we brought Isabella home 22 years ago, I started taking um, pictures and I knew I was telling her story bit by bit and our photo albums filled up with all these stories and it, it just pulled that part out of me. And then I think it eventually brought me into writing. So it's such an important part of my life. I love it. That's, that's, that's excellent. And I'm just thinking you, I swear you have another children's book with your dad's story and the cat and putting tiny in the string on the tail. <laughs> Isn't that really funny? That is awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So you kind of, you mentioned about storytelling and sitting around the table telling stories. Who were your writing influences? Or well, reading influences too. Who who did did you gravitate to? Well, you know, my biggest influences are I don't know if you know the book Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont. Yes. And Writing Down the Bones by Natalie Goldman. I know Bird by Bird, yeah. Yeah, Bird by Bird, Writing Down the Bones, and The Artist's Way. I had those, I had the books, I had the physical books, and I had them on audio. And whenever I would walk, I would listen to them because these women told me that you didn't have to be perfect to write. And I hadn't heard that before. And they would talk about how we didn't, we shouldn't take what um, our teachers and people have told us along the way and believe that we needed to write for ourselves. If we felt that call that we should write. So I would read these books and I listened to these books over and over as a way to pull that storyteller, that writer in me from the depths of who I am up into a place where then I could become a writer. So yeah. it's, it's, it was books like that, to be honest, that really those, those writers that led the way, paved the path, showed me that I could do this in a way that I hadn't had before. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. So what's next? I hope, like, I hope when your second, your next children's book comes out you come back on the podcast i'd I'd love to talk to you you're really interesting you're interesting to talk to and you're fun to talk to so what's next and what are your socials 
Okay, so what's next is I'm working on a photography course. I'm also started a children, a new children's book about my dog, Harry. Awesome. And in that book, I'm going to marry my photography and my writing together. So I'm very excited about that. So those are the two things that big things that I'm working on. And, um, and you can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Michelle B. Fizzard. Okay, and Michelle, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to ask you to repeat your socials because my internet just cut, oh, okay. cut out for a little okay. bit. Yeah. No worries. Okay. So my, uh, my blog is uh, www.michellebfizzard.com. Okay. And the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram is at Michelle B. Fizzard. And if anyone's interested in buying the book, you can certainly find it on both those places. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, I got the little message saying your internet is unstable. So that's, um, thank you for repeating that. Um, no worries. No worries. Um, yeah, I don't know what it's like in Ottawa, but we have, we're getting, I swear we're on day 39 of rain. Oh, no, we have like, it's gonna, it's like summer here. Like, I think it's supposed to be 31 or something today. Oh. <laughs> It's been like that all week. It's been fantastic. Oh, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, um, if it gets too hot over there, you can always come back over to BC. Exactly. <laughs> I have a sister up there. So. Okay, okay. <laughs> Michelle, this has been a delight. This really has been. Um, Thank you. And uh, a delight for me too. Oh, good, good. And really, the next book that comes out, um, if I, if I don't catch it, and please contact me because I'd love to I talk love about it. Thank you. Thank okay, you. Michelle. Okay. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Enjoy okay. the rain. <laughs> <laughs>